When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Pod Save the Queen! Welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, part two of our media special looking at the palace and the press. I am your host, Anne Gripper. Um, if you haven't yet listened to episode one with Ipso, the uh, UK media, UK press regulator, um, then don't worry, stay here, listen to this one first and then go back and listen to the Ipso one. If you have listened to the Ipso one already, then this one provides a slightly different perspective um, slightly more on the journalist side if you like because I caught up with one of my old bosses Carol Watson who is now um, a lecturer in journalism and particularly in the area of law Um, so we caught up actually a week ago when she was down in London so it was after the Sandringham summit but before the details of the Meghan and Harry deal had been um, announced so I hope you find our conversation interesting. Um, so welcome to the podcast today, a new friend of the show, but an old, well, old boss of mine and now a Facebook friend where I very much enjoy seeing her new adventures. Carol Watson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be back in the Daily Mirror office. Yeah, after after a little while, little while. So um, Carol was my boss when I was a very green trainee on features um, longer ago than we should probably mention, but not in the last decade. It was before that. So well, well, well ago. But you have gone on to other interesting things since and you now teach the next generation of journalists, which is why I wanted to bring you in here. And also because you have a particular interest in law. Yes, absolutely. So I was a journalist for about 30 years on newspapers and magazines, including the Mirror. Um, But I now teach journalism up at the University of Sunderland. So that's teaching students uh, fashion journalism is one of the things. But my main gig is media law. So teaching all aspiring journalists about libel, privacy, copyright, keeping out of trouble, knowing when it's good to get into trouble um, and making sure they're safe in a newsroom. so yeah, it's been an interesting time when it comes to the royals, hasn't it? Yes, definitely. So I mean, there's kind of been two major conflagrations with the the press over the last few months. Um, first, when on the final day of um, the Africa tour, when Harry sort of dropped the announcement that they were uh, suing the Mail on Sunday over the uh, letters between Meghan and her father Thomas Markle that were published, um, and then also when he and Meghan announced last week that they were stepping down from their senior roles in the royal family and kind of launched a bit of a broadside. And the the language on their website, which they have launched, is very kind of 
uncomplimentary of the traditional media and the royal rotary like really quite angry actually yeah absolutely and and that it doesn't shock me generally because there has been sort of rumblings from Harry and Meghan and actually from William and Kate before that and and their kind of distaste for certain elements of the media I was pretty surprised at the news that they were suing the newspaper over the letter to Tom Markle that appeared um the news this week or last week is it I know it's it's all been so fast um you know about them stepping away from public life and coming off the rotor and and actually listing their favored publications and and yeah having a pretty angry go at at everyone else they think is ruining their lives because as members of the royal family you can't really pick and choose who you deal with you are you are kind of public public property in to a greater or lesser extent well that's certainly how it sort of feels somehow well yeah I mean I I sort of teach the royal family are in the public interest you know we fund them um there is massive interest in what they do and they should be open to scrutiny like everybody else is I do think Harry and Meghan think that by stepping away and maybe being financially independent that takes some of that scrutiny off them but I'm not quite so sure you know especially if you choose to speak to only Vogue or to Oprah Winfrey that doesn't mean that every other newspaper and magazine and website in the world isn't going to write about you Um, it means you have less control in some ways rather than more control and also because you know actually making people cross is not necessarily a good strategy well, it's not helpful, but I don't think the press are particularly petty about that and suddenly think, right, we hate these people, so we're just going to write nasty stories. You know, they've had their positive stories and they've had their negative stories when it's been justified. And whether you believe it's right or wrong for that, they kind of have to suck that up a bit, in my opinion, because they are public figures. Historically, the whole point of the royal family was never explain, never complain. But there were a few instances, particularly the Queen, sometimes uh, William and Kate have said, "Okay, a line's been crossed now, we're going to step in and complain. And I think that's fair enough. Um, But Harry can't have his cake and eat it, unfortunately, nor can Meghan. Yeah, cake, cake is, it seems to be a word that has come up a lot over the last week, which I which I like as a a, um, principle that, you know, they are trying to have their cake and eat it. But um, do you think they, they've obviously got this hugely powerful social media presence on Instagram? Can that um, can that do the job for them? Do you think do they do they need newspaper coverage? Um, they think it can do the job for them. Um, we'll have to wait and see if they think they need media coverage. But you know, certain charities they cover, whether it's the Women's Shelter in Canada. Um, Megan visited whether it's the Grenfell Tower charity she's involved with the more access that information is given to more readers the better in my opinion and you know then if they're thinking they're going to restrict that just to save the occasional negative story that would be really damaging I think for you know the, the charities they're patrons of um, certainly they can get out the messages and the photos they want they'll be followed up by the newspapers and magazines anyway, as they would be if those journalists had been on the Royal Rota 
and covering stories for themselves. So um, Shannon Seekett got in touch with us on our Instagram account. Uh, thank you, Sharon. She says, I appreciate the analysis this week and last, but it feels that discussions of the Royal Rota and the Courtiers is missing. Why did the firm not revamp the Rota to exclude the vicious Herward tabloids? Um, why not have a summit with the Courtiers and get leaks to stop? I can understand Harry and Meghan's upset since much of this feels preventable. What makes me sad about this is that the family, their mental health, etc., seems to have been sacrificed in an attempt to preserve the institution. Well, now the institution also has a black eye. So much unnecessary hurt. Do you think, well, do you think that's a fair assessment of the situation? I, I think you've got to be a bit careful about talking about the vicious tabloids. You know, who are you talking about? The tabloids have been more positive about Harry and Meghan, certainly during the engagement, the wedding than anybody else and in fact it was a, a non-tabloid a respected broadsheet that came under fire from William and Harry this week when they talked about you know the bullying allegation and that that, that wasn't true um, you can't manage the tabloids by just excluding them from things um, they're still going to report on the stories they're just not going to have the access to the more positive message that the two of them want to put out and also you being there and being with the people because I know Russell's talked about it often it's the people who meet the royals who actually are the ones who bring sort of bring to life those events or share those kind of personal moments which you don't you don't get the story behind the Instagram photo if you like absolutely you're just getting a bland message rather than the whole atmosphere and the context of say a visit to to a charity or a school or whatever that's what journalists do they report all the color along with the facts and they tend to do that in quite a positive way you know if something as a story happens of course it's going to be covered by a newspaper probably not by the person on the royal rotor because they have a special position but harry and Meghan have to accept there will be stories where we justifiedly as the media think we've got right to scrutinize those and tell our readers about them because a you know a journalist represents their newspaper or their website but they're also you know in they're representing the readers that's the aim is to to give that information to the readers we are in we are in privileged positions we get to go to interesting places and speak to people that you know lots of readers would love to get to have the chance either to meet or to really put some tough questions to and you know that is that is an important win kind of yes we are we are doing it because we enjoy the job but there are people that want that service as well absolutely people love to read about the royals they've always loved to read about them you know whether it is on websites or it is on newspapers whether it's what they're wearing what they're doing what they're saying I, I remember when my dad was a journalist and princess diana went up to the northeast and she wore a purple dress and everyone called her dibina after like <laughs> ribena so you know every single thing is discussed isn't it from where's their handbag from to what did they say to the little old lady or the girl who gave them the flowers people love to read it and the royal family always have seemed to have positive coverage of those sort of events but then when other things happen, you know, you spend a fortune revamping your cottage, as they call it. I say cottage in inverted commas, their mansion. You know, you try and ban photographs being taken of you at Wimbledon. You won't name the godparents of your child. I think it's right that the press question that and explore it and, and see what's going on there. No, it's interesting. And it, it's not unheard of for the royals to bring kind of legal action against the media. 
Yeah, increasingly so. It, it never really happened, you know, two or three generations ago. But certainly I think William and Harry, who feel very sort of taunted by the media and are haunted by what happened to their mother, haven't been involved in, in some legal actions. The Queen also has sued a couple of times. I didn't know this. Yeah, for copyright. So it didn't go to court. These things never really go to court uh, maybe until now. Um, so one was um, her Christmas Day speech, which is supposed to be embargoed. No one's meant to know about it. And what's said till the day uh, was leaked to a newspaper early, and she sued over that and settled for a lot of money out of court, which she gave to her favourite charity. She didn't keep it. Um, she also sued in the same newspaper for a stolen photograph. Of Not the Daily Mirror. Not the Daily Mirror, I hasten to add. Um a stolen photograph of Sarah Ferguson and her daughter Beatrice, which was going to go on a royal Christmas card, but was leaked, stolen, given to a newspaper earlier, and they published it ahead of time. And again, the family won money for that. And obviously, famously, uh, William and Kate took the French uh, version of Closer magazine to court for privacy uh, over topless photographs that were taken by a paparazzi of her and published on the front page of that magazine. They won a lot of damages uh, for that, which they also gave to a charity. I think one of the other things around the Royal Rota is that is just the one sort of journalist from any media outlet who is dedicated, so in our case, Russell, to following the Royal Beat. They're on the, they get the press releases, you know, the operational notes, where is something, apply for accreditation, divvy out who does what jobs, because, you know, you can't, you can't practically get a member of, every single news outlet that wants to cover something into whatever some small room where they're meeting five people to talk about i don't know having fled domestic violence or whatever it's it would be a really intimidating for the people if there's suddenly this wall of wall of journalists there and be the you know you'd have to have a massive room instead and it would entirely change the nature of it so it's it's a practical thing but there are obviously so many stories to write about the royals and so much discussion and we like to write about the fashion or whatever else the things we've noticed the things that royal fans notice so certainly on the internet as well you get a lot of people writing other things and i feel i feel like that there's lots of different things getting confused kind of all in one go in that you've got a bit of a beef with the royal rotor maybe and a bit of a beef with the internet and a bit of a beef actually with social media and the way that fans or the anti-fans are are talking about it and that kind of conversation around it there's a lot going on isn't there in harry and Meghan's head and how they're feeling injustice about the coverage they're getting yeah whether it's from the royal rotor whether it's from the journalists who are getting stories from elsewhere. I mean, look at the Sun's exclusive about, um, you know, them wanting to quit the royal family. That wasn't from a, a royal reporter. That was from a showbiz reporter. Um, and, yeah, I think they're feeling they're getting it from all angles and whether it is social media or it is the journalists, um, that doesn't mean that they can control the narrative by suddenly, suddenly opting out of the royal road and opting out of the royal family almost there is still going to be intense interest in them. And while there is any sort of public funding of them, there is absolute public interest in them being scrutinised. And even to a certain extent, even if there isn't public funding of them, if they are leveraging the monarchy to generate money so that they're not publicly funded, then that's it. it there's, it's impossible to disconnect, really, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, there's just going to be endless interest. You know, journalists are going to be digging to find out who makes the Sussex Royal Bandanas, you know. Oh, they're made in some sort of child labour slave shop somewhere. And there's just interest and they have, I think they, they have to accept that. Certainly, I'm sure that's what the Queen and elder, more senior royals will be saying to them. Um, put up and shut up in some ways. Um, Heather Bowman also had a message on Instagram saying, questions for the next episode. What do you think of the recent BuzzFeed article showing the side-by-side of the Kate versus Meghan narrative the press put forth? Why do you think they were pitted against one another? One headline showed Kate holding her bump and it was applauded. Meghan holding hers, it was, quote, annoying. Uh, why wouldn't William speak out against the articles when he spoke out recently about the bullying claim regarding Harry? I would want to unite the family and show Megan that she is a part of the family. There's a lot going on there in that question. Yeah, so I mean, um, I guess the BuzzFeed so, article with the the two against each other. Yeah, I mean, I found that a bit disingenuous because you can handpick any amount of negative stories about Kate, any amount of negative stories about Megan. You can swing that story to whatever angle you want. Megan has had a fair share of very positive publicity. Kate's had a fair share of pretty negative publicity in the past. It is a fact in magazines and newspapers that women are pitted against each other, like it or not. You know, Strictly Come Dancing, you've got Tess versus Claudia. You have Who Wore It Best on the Red Carpet. I'm not saying it's right, but readers read it and enjoy it. Um, I don't think that really applies to the bump thing. Those two stories were probably four or five years apart. Um I don't think a newspaper saying we're going to criticise Megan for a bump, but remember how lovely it was when Kate did it and we said nice things about her. It's just a different story at a different period of time. And the nature of journalism has changed in those years as well. We've rapidly uh, changed in terms of what we report. I, I would agree with you. I think that the you, you could probably have done that article with a pro and an anti from the same news outlet for yeah. each of those lines, I think, because, you know, there is there is huge appetite. There are different people see things different ways, whether that's the journalist or someone on social media or a commentator, um, so many different ways of seeing it. And if you pick up the newspaper you get things in in a context. You're not necessarily going to read everything, but as you turn the pages, you will get a feeling of where that newspaper is coming from and what it cares about and the things that matter to it. And that doesn't mean that everything in that paper comes from the same perspective. That's part of the joy of columnists is Mm. that they will often put the kind of the counter view. But thinking about um, the pages we've had over the last week or so covering the Royals, usually a couple of spreads a day. Russell's been very busy writing kind of the big centerpieces explaining what's going on and telling the news and behind the scenes um, things but then often we'll have some different comment pieces around it um, covering both sides but if you read that on the internet you'd only see one headline at a time totally out of context absolutely and that's the joy to me printed journalism it's more thoughtful you've got those longer reads it's someone informed but certainly when I when I was features editor here you might have a question like you know was Megan right to do this and you'd have a yes and no from two different columnists or two different experts because it's not necessarily a newspaper or a journalist taking a view on things it's looking at an area or an issue and debating it and discussing it but yes you won't get that if you just click on something on twitter and often because we also curate the people that we follow to be people that we create our own echo chambers a lot of the time um either because other people are going to be raging against the same things that we're raging against or or liking the same things that we're liking um 
there's lots more obviously to, to come the, the royal family is always going to be reported on but how do you think that relationship um should should be from now i mean whether, whether they need to reset it or how they need to a- approach it both kind of inside the royal family and maybe harry and Meghan as well I, th- I think there's a lot to learn about modernizing how the press officers and the communication departments work with the royal family and their relationship with the media um I don't think that's easy with William and Harry because they have this inbuilt since childhood fear and suspicion of the press. They know they have to work with them on certain things. Um, But from my point of view, I think if press officers could be strong enough to sometimes talk to them and say, you shouldn't kick off about this. The journalist was right to, you know, query this and write the story. They've got every right to get involved in this issue. Um, it would be a lot easier relationship. And yes, of course, if the press step out of line and are naughty, then come down on them like a ton of bricks. And we've seen these previous examples where they have, and that kind of all worked out. But it's kind of thinking about a modern way of dealing with the media in a modern new media, which involves all this social media. Because yes, Britain is completely divided, and you either... You love a footballer or you hate him. You love a pop star or you hate him. You love Megan or you hate her. And therefore, you're right. You do create this vacuum, don't you, where you're, you're just listening to like-minded people. And newspapers have had to get on board and embrace, embrace online, as you absolutely have, and podcasting and everything. And I think the Buckingham Palace staff also have to realise that and things aren't like the 1950s where we just wrote nice stories about Princess Margaret and... <laughs> And the Queen. Oh, back back in the Crown. We should just. I wasn't alive there. I point out. <laughs> just not a, a gentler time in the Crown, in some ways, mm. maybe back on the Netflix thing. Well, Carol, thank you very much for joining us and for sharing your thoughts. And it's been lovely to see you again. Thank you for having me.